This episode of The Call Sheet is brought to you by Plot Devices, creators of the Story Clock Notebook. You've probably got a lot of cool story ideas because you are a genius, but turning your ideas into actual stories can be a frustrating and lonely process. That's why Plot Devices created the Story Clock Notebook. It's purpose-built for breaking and outlining stories using the simple method of visualizing your story like a clock. Whether you're writing a screenplay, blog post, or ransom note, learn more about how to make writing less gross at plotdevices.co. That's plotdevices.co. .co and get 20% off your first order with the code DIRECTOR20. DIRECTOR20. Welcome everybody to this episode of The Call Sheet. I'm your host, filmmaker AJ Wedding. Fanning out my old call sheets looking for guests in the film and TV industry. This week is a lie. I was never on a call sheet with my next guest, though I did get to work on Star Trek Picard briefly in pre-production, shooting the makeup tests, which is the series my next guest is currently working on. I have the great pleasure of sitting down with director of photography Philip Lanyon. Philip has worked on such shows as Frontier with Jason Momoa, Star Trek Discovery, and the aforementioned... Picard with Patrick Stewart. All right, Phil. Do you Philip? Philip or Phil? My mother and you can call me Philip. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Both, both. I could call both of them. Go by both. All right. Well, that's good. On paper, it's Philip. Usually, in, in person, it's Phil. Ah, uh, yes. So, uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, where you grew up and how it affected you. Uh, and made you want to be in this industry. I grew up in a small town beside Vancouver, Canada, called Burnaby, actually where Michael J. Fox is from. Ah. Yeah, it was like a normal childhood in a small town, playing Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, you know, imagining major worlds that us and our friends would be a part of and so, so lots of playtime. I think that, that was kind of the inception of, of wanting to be in film. You know, like, I think a, a neighbor friend of mine convinced me at one point that he was a Jedi. And that <laughs> if I trained hard enough, I could also be a Jedi. So I think this went on for months, I believe, that he was a Jedi. Never really got to my certification. But so sad. So but sad. He moved away since. I'll convince him one day. <laughs> So t- just tons of, of playing and imagination. And I think once you start thinking about what you're going to do, you kind of just don't want to stop playing. And, and you learn that this industry, you go, wait, I can kind of do that for the rest of my life. Like just keep playing and imagining things and creating <laughs> them. And I think, you know, the, the difficult part is learning how to, to kind of work to do that and eventually it becomes a little more work than play so you just try and find those moments where it still feels like playing and i think always trying to connect to that is uh is something i aspire to well it must not be uh super difficult to connect to the show you're working on now which is star trek picard (laughs) which for me at least uh you know he was basically like a second father to me growing up you know I, I remember whenever the show was on, I would next generation. I would uh, rearrange the furniture in the living room to look like the bridge, and you know, sit in the captain's <laughs> chair. And uh, 
that was that was I mean I was big into Star Wars as well but uh but when Next Generation came out and there was that every week thing happening that was my uh my thing. Right. So did were were you younger at that point as well? You were yeah. right around the same age yeah, as me. Uh, the Next Generation was like a huge part of the living room. <laughs> you know, really good friend of mine one of my best friends uh he was he took it to the next level him and he had you know four or three brothers uh, and they were crazy about star trek they had the uniforms they made little movies and uh, about star trek and so we, we became good friends quick and so he was always kind of the more of the star trek guy but through him i i kind of learned the universe and fan myself sure. i don't know anything about any of that i've never had uniforms or made movies <laughs> at all about star trek no um you know what you want you want to be jealous of something <laughs> actually i should be jealous of you all it's you're working with patrick stewart but uh the first tv pilot i ever made uh in los angeles was called obi-wan and it was basically a a sci-fi news and reviews show and we got to go to vegas where they had the star trek experience and they had the bridge you know as part of the ride and uh we got to shoot there like as a news crew so for eight hours we're on the bridge and we're doing the whole thing you know the crashing and go left and the camera goes right you know all that uh, oh my god so much fun so so take me back uh to the point where you started getting into uh, either photography or uh, the business. Uh, what what was the sort of uh, thing that got you moving toward that? My dad, my dad was a photographer, and my grandfather was a hobbyist photographer. Grandfather always had cameras around, and was always into toys. And he he uh, he had an antique store, so he had all these kind of old cameras. And then my father actually went to school for photography, and ended up. Uh, getting hired by the fire department to take pictures of arson scenes and uh and ended up being a firefighter but always had these uh cameras around and and, um, and photos that he had done and so i think that um it was just kind of a natural to, to kind of have a camera myself it was just looking up to him kind of wanting to take pictures him him and my uncle ha- had some pretty amazing photos around my grandmother's house and so seeing those photos. Hopefully not all arson scenes. No, no, not at all. No. <laughs> Motorcycle racing and, and portraits and kind of all the projects you do through photography school. So yeah, I think I, I remember like my first camera was like a like a little brownie, you know, and we loaded it with with film and I and I would, you know, walk around the neighborhood and kinda of like spy on people behind cars and stuff to try and try and get their picture. I, I don't know. We were super into like like spy stories, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, so I thought, I thought that'd be cool. So that was the kind of the inception of photography. So that, that kind of just stayed with me. I just kind of enjoyed cameras, enjoyed taking pictures. Um, and then in school, uh, kind of coming out of my shell in high school, I, I kind of connected with acting and uh, doing improv and really kind of enjoyed it and took it quite far. It was like my most loved subject I, 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 I would focus on it and eventually got uh, chosen for the lead of the school play and um, what was the play do you remember it was um, oh, I don't remember 
I remember that other the other big play of, of high school was called Welcome to the Moon, and uh, that was with a group of friends, um, and it was kind of the pinnacle after that of, of the acting thing that I did, because we won this competition and went up to to act and perform it, and so that was kind of the height. So I left high school kind of like wanting to be an actor. I was so charged up like this is something like I connect with and I feel like I can do and I went out and I did a few cattle calls which was like three I think it was like Airbud or something like that <laughs> and there was like 300 people in a tent you know all wanting to be an actor <laughs> and I was like this and everybody was talking about themselves and and just like pumping themselves up and like it just felt such like such a weird environment to me and so after that cattle call thing, I was like, I, I want to make films, you know, I want to make films and we can put ourselves in them, you know what I mean? And create stories that way. So a friend of mine was working at Paramount and got me a job cleaning up their cable department at night. So I'd work all night long on a forklift, bringing the uh, four-aught super heavy cable down from these uh, shelves that were too high for fire code. So we would have to disengage the safety switch on the forklift, and I would walk around all night on these super high shelves, <laughs> throwing down these super heavy cables. And I, I could not have been happier. Like, <laughs> I was so excited that I worked at Paramount. <laughs> and so did this for a few weeks and um, did a good job at it, and they hired me like in the cable department, like, putting together cables and fixing cables and uh, again just so stoked is this paramount in uh vancouver is vancouver, yeah okay. they had like an equipment rental house there i really enjoyed the technical part of it as well uh it eventually just kind of stayed in the rental house scene like just learning lighting learning how to fix lights um you know learning how to clean cable clean fabrics learning the different tools of the trade learning what different gels were and why they used them eventually started going out on set taking the trucks there and i would i would drive the truck there and my job was to sit on the truck and like check off what they used that day so that the equipment house could charge appropriately but i didn't i couldn't sit still i was like what do you guys need like i would jump in there and i'd have it all cabled before breakfast <laughs> you're making us look bad and it's, uh yeah be there way too early and just so excited to be on set and sure real film sets yeah so it was that and then eventually you know got hired right out of the equipment rental house to be a best boy by a by a young gaffer and taking care of his sets and equipment and hiring people for him and was he one of the guys that you were uh making look bad on set is that why he no, hired you no, 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 no. <laughs> This was another young guy who worked really hard. And, uh, and eventually, you know, he, he got so busy and we, we, we started gathering clients that he would, he would throw me small jobs to gaff myself. And so I would, I would go out and light, light for, for DPs when, when he couldn't do them. And eventually it turned into having my own DPs and eventually becoming a gaffer myself. And all the while kind of aspiring to be uh, the, the acting thing kind of faded because I realized that I could act with the camera. I could become a storyteller through the camera and fulfill this creative 
urge that I had with this technology that I loved. I mean, it just excited me so much. I'd buy, you know, I remember I saved up and bought an XL1, Canon <laughs> XL1 camera, and, and I, I think I took out a massive loan to buy a, a Mac Apple G3 computer. And it was the <laughs> first one with Firewire. And like, oh. Yeah, it was like, and I, you know, I didn't have much money at all. So, but the point was just to learn that tool, you know, to have a camera. And it was always like, oh, and we'll shoot a film on it. We'll shoot a short film. And we shot some little stuff on it and made some things. But, you know, it usually advanced into, oh, now we need this piece of gear and that piece of gear and upgrade the camera here and there. So we would, uh, it became a bit of a cycle, which I think I'm still in. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> <laughs> it's like a drug. <laughs> I remember that Canon XL one. I was always jealous. I wanted one. In fact, uh, I went to buy one as well. And they had this, uh, uh, you know, Movie Maker magazine. They'd have like the. Um, this is before the internet was a huge thing for sales. Uh, they would have the New York companies that had the ads in the magazines that said, you know, you can get an XL one for 2,500 bucks and you call them and they're like these bully salespeople. And they're like, do you have over $15,000 in lenses from Canon? And I'm like, no. Well, then you don't want this camera. You want the Canon GL one and you don't need lenses for that one. It's like, Oh, and they like talked me into this, you know, can, not even close to the same camera. Uh-huh. I totally remember that. And I always, I still, I still want an XL1. Do you have one you can sell me? No. <laughs> no I got plenty of mini DV tapes. So. Yeah, I know, me too. I'd love to go back and look at all those. Oh, man. No, so there was another part of the story that in high school, uh, we had a bit of a transition in high school. In that they built up, they built us all a brand new high school. Actually, had the Michael J. Fox Theater in it, so again, very <laughs> excited about that. But the new high school incorporated a deaf school into it, and so they had installed TVs in every single hallway and every single classroom. And because we were the actors, this was during the the kind of acting group we had. Uh, they said, "Does anybody know how to like run this?" media room like, <laughs> here's all these cameras and you know, it was all vhs players at the time that you could do deck to deck editing and so we kind of had the free reign of this place and and so we would make little like lunchtime shows and stuff to entertain our student friends and so that was where like the production aspect kind of came into it where i kind of left high school wanting to act but still had this kind of like experience of creating shows and stories for people um and that connection to it to to enjoy doing that for people you know what i mean to entertain sure in a broader scope than just acting well and understanding how all of that works just by doing it Mm -hmm. instead of just being in front of the camera you're getting all of that around the totally yeah perspective there well it's it's a lot you know i had this similar conversation with um with mike karen another guest who who started out as an actor like me and like you uh, and the fact is as an actor, you don't have a lot of control over your career unless you know how to do these other things and you can be pitching these other movies and making things yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the key to everything. So it's good that you learned that early on and didn't right. have to go through the, uh, you know, the constant rejection of early work in Hollywood. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
it's all about creation. You know what I mean? If you, if you connect to that and, and just enjoy the process of creation, I don't think it matters what you do. If you're acting, if you're drawing, if you're doodling on the kitchen counter, I think we're hmm. all kind of born to create. And I think we all need that. It's like a food and you need to eat it. So you, you had a group of friends, you guys had cameras and stuff. Was that, was that a similar time as when you were uh, gaffing as well? Or was that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We would make, we would make short films. And then, and then uh, one of my friends and I, we really kind of sat down and went, okay, let's do this. We've always dreamed about it. Let's, let's make a film, you know, put it on the scene. Let's, let's do it. So we worked, he, he went away, he was, he was uh, going to university in Toronto uh, to film school and kind of came back, knew, knew some friends there and, and they had worked on a script together and, and came back with this kind of interesting script about a Japanese bug collector who got caught up in the Yakuza, some Yakuza mafia business and a young girl was involved and he, he kind of gets caught in this, this kind of gang so so it was a good script so anyway we we worked for i think four years to make this short film i even ended up living at his house at at some point at his (laughs) parents house in their back shed just because i needed to focus and encompass myself completely into this film and (laughs) figure out every shot and every scene and i remember at one point um uh when we're like okay it's go time we're gonna film this and we're gonna we're going to ask all of our friends and peers to come out and, and help us with this for free. And I, I got so nervous and I, I backed out. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, cause we had, I had asked my, my AC at the time to come uh, or um, an AC at the time. She eventually became a good friend of mine and, and AC Julie Kim. Uh, I, I asked her, I said, you know more about cameras than I do. You, you should shoot this. And then I, I looked at it a couple weeks later, and I'm like, I did so much work on this. Like, <laughs> I should really shoot this. We went back and forth a bit, and I ended up shooting it, and I'm glad I did. But. And did that short end up leading uh, to work as a DP? Huge, yeah. I mean, that, that set us off. It won South by Southwest. And oh, wow. Slam Dance, and, and it uh, was shown at Toronto International Film Festival and Vancouver International Film Festival, and... What was the short called? It's called Hero. Hero. H I R O. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it stars Hiro Kanagawa, who uh, is in Best of Show. Oh, Best in Show. Yeah, he's the Japanese guy. At Best in show. <laughs> he's in a bunch of other stuff, man. He's a great actor. So that that was when I was still gaffing, still lighting sets, uh, and that kind of showed me like, oh wait, maybe I can do this. <laughs> maybe I can, can do a transition. So. I, so, you know, that turned into a few commercials and, you know, buying more cameras and that would lead to more work. Because <laughs> people would go, oh, he has a camera. And this was right in the film digital transition days. We'd shot film for Hero, 35 millimeter film. But these cameras were kind of coming up that, you know, could kind of compete with, sure. with the film. And, and you could do things a little uh, more low key and you know, budget minded. Um, so producers were interested in that kind of thing. So I, I kind of had this XL one, you know, HVX 200 kind of digital experience and, <laughs> you know, guys were transitioning to the digital. And so that gave me a little leg up and 
kind of built my career. I was kind of like half lighting, half shooting. Uh, eventually, the sh- you know, I was shooting more and more. Um, and someone's like, now you got to get an agent, you know. <laughs> and so I, I looked around and um, Matt, I said, Matt Swanson, the, the friend who I made Hero with, was like, you know, you got to look at Doris Sessler. And she, she's... She's the agent in Canada. If you want, if you want to be a DP, and and uh, a DP I work for all the time. That was his agent, and a bunch of other people. You know, Trent Oakalock that shot all of the Marvel movies, and <laughs> other well-respected DPs who I've done a ton of gaffing for were repped by her. So it was a it was a huge dream to be. You know, that was my new goal is to get represented by Sessler. So I think I bugged her for about four years. I just kept emailing her my stuff. And, I just kept working and kept um, plugging away at things, and eventually she called me and said, "Hey, we want to rep you." It's been it's been amazing ever since. And it's just <laughs> been a steady steady climb for for both of us ever since. You know, it's been wow, it's been amazing, man. Not a lot of people have great things to say about their agent, so that's really nice to hear. <laughs> I, yeah, I I don't know. She's a wonderful person. She runs a wonderful team, and I I honestly think it's your approach to agents that. That will that make the difference. I've never asked her for work. Mm, yeah, sure. You know, I, I I think we're a team. I I don't think I'd be where I am without her. And um, I try and reciprocate any you know good doings to her. So I try and try to think of them as my team. And, sure. And people that are working for to to do better for both of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and somebody like that with that kind of experience is definitely thinking about your career long term, which is helpful because mm-hmm. you just want the work also like you at some point you need to work. Totally. But then she may be thinking, well, maybe don't take that because of this. Yeah. And was there any of that uh, in your. Yeah, she's been guiding me. Yeah. Very well since, since I've signed on. Just like, you know. What, How long have you been with her? kind of next move. Um, Six or seven years. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. quite a while. Yeah. So so what what came first? Did you did you work on um, documentaries or television? Because I know you did a few mm-hmm. documentaries as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, first it was commercials. It was, yeah. It was a lot of commercials, um, which I loved. I love I love doing commercials because there wasn't the strict kind of union rules around. Um, working with many departments. So I really liked, you know, being able to grab a sandbag without getting called out. (laughs) I loved, uh, I loved working together and I loved other people, you know, helping our department and everybody pitching in and and being a team. So I really found that vibe in in the Vancouver commercial market, you know? Um, And I think that still exists up there today. There's this real kind of family up there of commercial people. And one of my mentors, uh, John Heltman, kind of, um, I, I would gaff a lot for him as well. And he eventually would send me some DP work. His attitude towards filmmaking was really inspirational and, and eye-opening to me. He had passion for telling stories. He had passion. You know, we were selling drugs and pampers. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like pharmaceutical ads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were physically selling drugs. Well, you know, it's yeah, Canada, yeah, so. Yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> he really taught me to kind of just like connect to what you believe in the shot, what what makes you excited about the shot on a deep level, on a 
level you can't describe and then just just work for that you know like just do what you can to try and capture that the bass started in commercials and then uh got a call one day from dora saying hey look um a friend of mine needs a second unit dp on a show called frontier with jason momoa mm-hmm. and i was like okay i don't think i'm your guy like i do commercials and <laughs> all these little things you know he's, he's like no he, he really likes your work so i went out there and and he kind of showed me what he was doing with lighting and he said can you match this and yeah, yeah i can do that and heck it, this second unit turned into half the show <laughs> wasn't like little pickup shots here and there this is oh like, wow it was full scenes a full other unit like <laughs> a major part of, of the, the of season two i worked my hardest and, and figured out this language of television you know people doing three hand four hand scenes and and um you know try and um, dissect these scenes in the two seconds of blocking you get to see and, <laughs> and figure out where to put three cameras that don't see each other. And, right. You know, really just thrown into this. But Glenn got hired to do Star Trek Discovery after that. Oh, okay. And went on to, uh, he said, I'm leaving next year. I'm going to Toronto. In the meantime, these guys in Newfoundland that I had met said, hey, you want to do this other show we're doing? It's a 70s cop show. Um, you know, we're doing it this summer. Just, yeah, that sounds great. Let's, let's do it. So it, this was kind of a six-part miniseries. You know, it was kind of a throwback to the '70s. So we we were, you know, looking at old Super Baltar lenses and, and Cook um, Pancros and hmm. trying to like encapsulate this kind of '70s feeling, which I was like growing up on, like Goodfellas and Casino and <laughs> all those films. I was just charged. I was like. Yes, that's the director, TJ Scott, is a hugely visual director. Like, he'll build sets to, you know, to create flair in them and to create long tunnel sets. And to, he's really thinking about, you know, putting stuff in front of the lens to mess it up and just very creative, creative man. And so he, he just let me run wild. And <laughs> we both had a great time just creating this kind of 70s world with this interesting looks. And so I guess I did something good there and <laughs> the Frontier season three came around. Glenn was unavailable. They said, Hey, you want to do Frontier season three? And I'm like, okay, like me. And so you went from second unit to yeah. now you're the DP. Yeah. I'm the DP and they, and they're like, we're not going to do a second unit this year. So it's just you <laughs> no alternating, nothing. So, wow. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Flew to Jason Momoa's house because he was a big director on it. And he seems like a really cool. He's a very creative man. Yeah. Doesn't he live just uh, in Topanga Canyon? In Topanga, yeah. 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 Uh, and he was a major influence on on the story there, and builds a lot of his own knives and costumes, and just really encapsulated this frontier character, <laughs> Declan Harp. So I really want to get his insight. I said, Jason, I want to come talk to you about this before we go so went down there took tj tj was a director on frontier as well and we just all kind of sat down and kind of 
got his thoughts and what he'd like the, the season to look like and uh, ended up in Scotland with Jason and all these crazy castles. And, <laughs> um, yeah, it was quite an experience. Extremely cold weather. <laughs> Probably a lot of uh, elements to deal with. Lots of elements to deal with, yeah. <laughs> we got snowed in a place called Bamberg Castle, which is where they shot Macbeth shot one of the transformers there it's this crazy castle on this beach wow and uh the, the beast from the east weather system they called it came in and dumped <laughs> a bunch of snow on the entire town and you couldn't get in or out so production was actually halted for a few days but it was a quaint little place to spend <laughs> a few days <laughs> that's awesome so like what was something that you that sticks out in your mind is like a really interesting moment from that mm-hmm. I think that they had got Jason a castle, his own castle, <laughs> to live in. And uh, they had cleared all the furniture in the living room to bring in these stunt guys from around the world because we had this big kind of night fight battle. And so we would go over there in the afternoons and evenings and rehearse with these stunt guys. So it was all these stunt guys doing this crazy fighting in this massive castle and we'd all sit down and they'd bring in a, a chef and we'd all have dinner together <laughs> afterwards. Just that experience and, and walking around looking for locations uh, with Jason wearing this big bearskin coat on these, <laughs> in these ancient English forests. It's just very surreal. And so the, the, the fight scene we were rehearsing was a massive kind of torch lit scene and we wanted every shot to be at magic hour so we shot um sent some guys out with cameras you know in the days before to get kind of key shots so we had about four or five days of kind of just guys cameras stunt guys and torches and then the main unit kind of came in for two nights and uh and shot shot the meat of the scene in those two nights well that had to require a lot of planning on your part to really mm-hmm. nail that down properly totally. i mean so do you, do you do a lot of uh pre-production planning like is that a big part of your process as far as i mean it sounds like it is but mm. yeah yeah of course you try and not only imagine the scene and how it should look you know you're looking for images and ideas at first to kind of like grasp onto and go okay it should kind of feel like this because you know, because this is influencing this and the, you know, going into night here because the next scenes are night, and, you know, so there's a lot of that kind of overall planning. And then, and then by the time you're getting to shooting, you're kind of working into the details of the planning. You're, you're really getting into, okay, this shot, uh, these three shots, I need to shoot this way. And these three shots, I need to shoot this way. And that's going to take so much time to turn around and, you know, I'm going to need coverage here and that's going to take some time. So it really becomes kind of a time management and crew and equipment management kind of job as you get closer to it. So there's, there's a lot of different levels of planning there. Such a, such an interesting job. I mean, that's one of the other things that uh, Leo and I were talking about and in our interview was just how there's this, such a strong creative aspect that is a, for the job, you know, you have to understand how do I want this to look visually? And then the other half of it is I only have this much time. So like managing the look you want with the time you have 
and finding, you know, the happy medium between the two has got to be, especially on a TV budget and a TV timeline. Yeah. It's incredible that you get anything. Yeah. <laughs> One DP said to me, well, you want to be a DP? I'm like, yeah. He's like, how do you like being disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, Ron Howard did a master class and the, the commercial for the master class is, you know, every movie that you make at some point uh, will break your heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you imagine, you always imagine the most epic, biggest thing. But I've seen, but, I mean, I've seen that show and I mean, it looks epic. It looks huge. And I mean, what you were able to get with that timeline, I mean, you clearly are very good at managing the, the time with the uh, yeah. look. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not just me. It's, you know, first day these play a huge role in just, you know, it's about getting, getting the idea out. So it's conceptualizing the idea with you, the writers, the directors, the producers, you know, obviously they're kind of coming up with the, the overall idea first and that goes sure. to you like how should this look you know so between all of you and this this amorphous blob of <laughs> control and could be, yeah <laughs> or, the, or the idea that hasn't been made yet and then spitting it out you kind of feel like you know that when you used to connect two pop bottles together with a little thing and there's the funnel on the top and the funnel on the bottom it's <laughs> kind of what being a dp feels like because you have all this all this creative minds in this tumultuous, uh, you know, vortex above you. And you have to kind of like assemble all those ideas and then, and then communicate them to the crew, the grips, the electrics, you know, sound, uh, you know, and the camera team to kind of create that vision. So it it really becomes a, a job of communication and dissecting ideas and then, kind of regurgitating them to people that you know need to hear the technical aspect of that like how do we physically make that idea a reality and how do we boil it down to we need 16 feet of dolly track and right you know a remote head to get that shot you know what i mean in an hour and 10 minutes in an hour and 10 minutes yeah <laughs> working, working very close with the first ad to kind of And then, you know, sometimes those ideas don't necessarily translate technically. You gotta go back up the line and go, hey guys, what you've written here isn't physically possible with the time and budget we have. We need to kind of rewrite this. So it's kind of a, a two way street. You know? That's interesting. I never thought about that aspect of it, of uh, it coming down to where you're physically trying to manifest it and then going, yeah, do you guys have another? five million dollars because if not (laughs) (laughs) it's not gonna happen and you know and they understand that you know most writers write big you know sure like i try and go big with ideas off the top you know so let's 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 picture the biggest most crazy you know idea we can do and then you know out of that you can usually find something that you enjoy you know or but that's a good that's a good uh, theory for Star Trek, right. also, which you know it's already a bigger you know universe to deal with. So, mm-hmm. and how how did you end up going to Discovery? So so I, you know, done well on 
Frontier Season 3, and Glenn still kind of had me in mind. He said, you know, I'm, I'm going to hire you again for some second unit stuff. And so the opportunity came up on Discovery to be the alternating VP on it. And CBS looked at my work and said, he's not ready. We need somebody with more experience. Wow. And um, so I said, completely understand. No problem. Look forward to working with you in the future someday. And so they found another alternating VP, and uh, he had a scheduling conflict on one of the episodes. And time was getting smaller and smaller. And Glenn went to bat for me and said, "Look, this guy can do it. Give him the one episode." And so I went and I did episode six of season two on a short film. They really liked it, and they said, "Look, we're starting up this other project. We want to." want to do it we wow really like what you did here we like the <laughs> so it went from you're not qualified to do this yeah, exactly. to eh, do one to do our next series <laughs> yeah that is amazing and and having someone go to bat for you like that i mean it almost seems like that's a the most necessary thing mm-hmm. uh because somebody's got to vouch for you at the end of the day if you're going to move forward oh. And that's so great of, of people that are willing to do that. I mean, clearly you have the talent, uh, so they weren't worried about their reputation or anything. But uh, just just having people around you that are uh, willing to to swing that totally. for you, yeah, is amazing. And then you know, and and that something that carries on. You know, now uh, I take that uh, act of good faith. And I look for it in other people, you know, and I, I want to vouch for other people, you know. I want to say, look, this guy's doing a really good job. Let's bump him up, you know. Or, yeah, I think it's a, it's a pay it forward kind of thing for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because, yeah, and, and, you know, you can see the, the talent in people and, and you know who, you know, not just the talent, but also, like, are they good people? Are they, you right. know, I mean, that's, you know, you always want to work with people that you enjoy and that you know are going to be good to work with as well. Mm-hmm. When they brought that up, they brought up this new show that they're doing. The plan was for that show to be in Canada, right? Yeah, in Toronto. So, you know, I'd already worked on the show up there. You know, I was talking to the grips, gaffers, and camera department about, look, we're going to spin this thing off. Let, let's keep, let's get a family vibe going. Let's, let's create you know, people that we know and we can pool each other's resources, you know, so they the best boys were going to step up and, and and do the the key grip and gaffer position and you know we were just kind of like keep it all as a family you know which was going to work well and then for whatever reason i've heard many versions they started looking at la to shoot this show and i was like oh i guess i'm not doing the show anymore because i'm a canadian vp like but they you know i just i thought I'm still on it. They don't know if I'm going to be able to do the show. I don't know if I'm going to be able to show. There's unions to get into. There's rosters to get into. I'm just not on them. Like, But I'm going to give it my all. You know, this, this is a huge opportunity. I'm going to give it my all and pretend like I'm going to go to LA and shoot this. So I flew myself here. And I just started, before they told me no, that I wasn't on it, which I was 100% expecting, I just went around to every rental house, met tons of crew, and just said, look, I've never worked here. I have potentially have a large show here. 
what's what's LA about? Like what who are the players? What you know, what what resources are available if I were to do this show, you know, and I just met tied into my resources from Vancouver and called the biggest people I knew. I said, what are your contacts in LA? And, you know, people gave me these names and numbers and I just had meeting after meeting after meeting for a couple months. I would drive three hours a day and I was staying out in the Valley and I'd just come into LA and just do meetings all day and just try and figure out its pulse, you know, in its industry and how big it was. I had no idea of the scale. You know, I understood it was probably the biggest, you know, filmmaking Sure. In the world, but what does that actually mean? You know, like, and and it turns out it, it's huge, but there's a cap. You know, it like it gets smaller and smaller as you go up, and everybody kind of knows each other. And so I just wanted to kind of like get a sense of that. Said, so "Look, I'm gonna stay until they kick me out," and I just stayed and just started <laughs> prepping this thing. Did you meet? To, did you meet any opposition uh, during those meetings and things like that? No. I just, you know, every once in a while I get a call and be like, yeah, we're still going forward. We didn't even know if the show was going to be down here, but if it was, I just wanted to prep for that. So, so it was like, I was still on, but I wasn't on, but I was, but I was like, I'm just going to pretend I'm on. And so I just kept hitting the bricks and just being down here, just absorbing myself in LA. And yeah, eventually, okay, yeah, now the show's going to go in LA. Okay, does that mean I can get it? Well, I don't know, you know, the roster. Okay, well, get on the roster and my agent's freaking out. And, <laughs> can we? I don't know. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they didn't ask for a pass. Like, so did a big application, you know, and, and uh, you know, the show starts prepping and they're like, are you on the roster? I'm like, I should here in a couple of weeks. And so it's this big kind of nerve-wracking thing. And eventually I got accepted into the union and onto the roster and away we went oh my gosh yeah here i am that's incredible <laughs> i didn't know any of that <laughs> yeah yeah so uh no opposition I, I those those initial months i've met a lot of extremely helpful people like it was just so nice to see that the spirit of filmmaking is so alive here you know like just people with like what do you need like wh- what's gonna make this awesome and how can we help that you know what I mean? Like just honest filmmakers, you know, I think money can play a big role in a lot of influences around here. And there's a bit of that, but sure. for the most part, it was. Well, I think as far as my experiences have been, it, it seems to me that if you have an opportunity and it, that opportunity has been presented to you, mm-hmm. everybody wants to roll out the red carpet to help you get that you know it's uh people want to see other people's dreams come true because then it makes it seem like theirs can as well right you know and so it's i I think that's a big thing in this town because you know it's a town of dreams so uh that's good to hear that you didn't meet with any um anybody who was basically saying nope you're not you know no chance right you know and it's also good for the show because you know you're going to continue a look that has, you know, it's become iconic to the new Star Trek. Right. And to talk a little bit about that. Like, what what did you go through process-wise, um, you know, picking the lenses and kind of doing that sort of thing? I mean, obviously, I don't want to get, like, crazy deep into it where people are like, I don't even know what that means, you know. But, right. but uh, <laughs> a little bit of it, at least. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like J.J. kind of created this new kind of 
Star Trek vibe with the cinematography. Um, you know, and it was the you know you think of that that those Star Trek movies and it's all about the flares. You know, people always comment on how many flares there are. And I, I I personally loved it. There's always like an opinion of you know too much flare, not enough. Flare, you know all this. So, uh, but anyway, I, th- I think I think what he did was kind of create a language with it, and I think Discovery kind of tapped into that a little bit. Uh, season one, they shot spherical lenses, which don't have as much flare, uh, and season two, I think they kind of like went back to that and kind of like when I was on, I was encouraged to kind of shoot some more find flare more flare, and, and they had, they had switched to anamorphic lenses, which created these kind of interesting flares. So I kind of want to continue that language. So I, I wanted to honor it and just be like, this is this is the Star Trek universe, and and when you when you're watching a Star Trek show, there should be a familiarity to it, and not the familiar familiarity of the Next Generation um, or the original series, but the contemporary familiarity of the show. So, sure. So I wanted to honor that. So. Um, so yeah, I, I tested many lenses and looks, and and uh, you know tried to just like get a sense of what the show was going to be. We didn't have scripts or anything; we just had these kind of like concepts. And so, just you know, that was that was a big part too. Is like, well, if this show is going to be the Born Ultimatum in space, then we don't <laughs> want to do this anamorphic look. You know? Sure. And if it's if it is space epic than we do you know so it was like that like we're gonna shoot in a month but we don't really know what the rest of the story is so <laughs> how do you pick you know did you end up meeting with patrick stewart at all before yeah just kind of the same thing i did with momo i just really wanted to get his perspective on what he felt the show should be like what what does he want to say to the fans and what what are the over overarching meanings to get into you know and just so i had a sense of that you know it on a practical level it's like nah, it's still gonna be good and it's still gotta like it's still gonna be shot on an area alexa and it's still gonna use this kind of lighting but so i don't know how much the overall themes influence that but just i think just knowing them and having them in your head i think gives you a sensibility about camera movement and about the way that you setting up each scene i think it eventually it finds a pacing and a mood that does tie into that so yeah it was just a really nice conversation we spent a couple hours just talking about themes and, and what, what was that like after you know your whole life like uh, watching him on tv and just now you're in his living room <laughs> yeah i guess i just try to be as present as Sure. I'm just going to be open and honest about how I think visually and and be super attentive to how he feels about it because it's him. It's all about him. Yeah. Like he's, I want to make sure that I honor his great work. Of course. Make sure I honor the fans' expectations of. It's perfect to be, it's great to be present in those moments and really thinking about how do I make this the best? But then at some point you go home and you go, I was just at Patrick Stewart's house where I'm making Picard. It's like, it's gotta be amazing feeling. (laughs) 
Well, uh, and my good friend Johnny, who, uh, <laughs> who grew up on this. <laughs> you just lost your mic again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so talk a little bit about working with Hanalee Culpepper, uh, who directed the pilot, and did she direct? She directed several episodes. Yes. Uh, yeah, working with Hanalee, she's an incredibly hard worker, and she was immediately dedicated to uh, creating something special. You know, we we worked hard on creating a lookbook. And was she was she involved in uh, a Discovery as well? She was. Yeah. She, she so she directed Discovery as well. Were were any of the ones she directed? Was she directing the one that you were on? No. Okay. I did the one episode with. Yeah. And he became the producing director of Picard. Oh, okay. So he, he was a major influence on, on how I got down here as well. We really enjoyed working. We, we enjoyed working together. And, and uh, so he, again, just kind of stuck up for me and said, hey, why don't you come do this? But Holly was fantastic to work with. She uh, She's, again, very passionate about, about what she makes. And I have to bring up this moment because um i want to know how you felt because we were both at comic-con mm-hmm. and you were in hall h when the trailer uh for picard launched and what was that because you were there i mean you shot the whole thing so like you were there for all those moments but when you're there you're in it and you're working and you're focused on all of those technical details and the art of it mm-hmm. what was it like to see that trailer in front of a packed house at comic-con First, I should say, I didn't shoot the whole thing. I have an alternating VP who's an amazing VP, Darren Tiernan, and uh, we collaborated really well together. It's very Canadian of you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been great. <laughs> but seeing the trailer at Comic-Con and the fans react, and the way they cut the trailer was very, you know, it, it was some big drops, you know, some big like, <laughs> surprises, some big, and uh, the way they heightened that footage with the score and everything, I, you know, it was it was overwhelmingly amazing. Like, I just that moment uh, will be one that sticks me with me forever. There was some tears shed for sure. Just going, <laughs> wow. Well, you're finally seeing it sort of culminate in like the final version. I mean, not, not of the episodes, but yeah. of, you know, you've got the score, you've got the sound, you've got, you know, yeah. it's just, ugh. And, and, and to just see the crowd reaction that it was just like, and react so positively, it was, it was really a cool moment. And, you know, to see Alex talk about it, Alex Kristen talk about it in such a positive light and his approach to Star Trek and how, believes it has a place in our current political climate and human existence in such a kind of grander scale i think well that seems to be when star trek it's at, is at its best it's putting those things that we're dealing with currently in another light in another way for people to be able to view it without all of the sort of partisan politics of it and mm-hmm. and really just go visually this is what you know we're doing mm-hmm. you know original series some of the best episodes were when they were doing things like that and mm-hmm. i think that's what science fiction really was invented for to begin with is you know it's a mirror exactly that's exactly and uh I, i'm glad to hear that that's what alex sees as well and 
what he's trying to achieve at least totally. i didn't really latch on to projects that help you know projects that do some good in the world and you know that i don't watch a lot of tv you know because i think there's a lot of tv out there that doesn't help you know that it's just spectacle or violence for the sake of spectacle and violence and um i just don't have time for it in my life you know just the the thoughts it creates and service I think so I've always been a little bit nervous of doing television because I think once you get into features short films documentaries they can do a lot more to to kind of help the overall picture to create positive outcomes and so I think it's just been such a wonderful experience to be on something that has an overall positive goal in mind and it really makes you want to try hard do your best show up every day and try and support that well and now you've sort of you're able to make those choices moving forward you know now your resume looks pretty damn good for you know (laughs) do you think you'll be back next season for for Uh, if there's a season so much I think season one there's so much work just going into building this world sure and figuring out what it is I think season two you could really spread your wings and kind of know what works and know what the vibe is and just all that kind of groundwork is kind of complete and you can kind of then expand on that as opposed to building and expanding at the same time right <laughs> yeah. well if it you know if the fan responses uh are any indication i have a feeling there's definitely going to be a season two because uh everybody's going nuts over the show just the trailer right (laughs) yeah i I can't (laughs) well and you're still in it i mean you're still working on it right now i mean it's a crazy time and i'm glad you're able to come uh take some time out to chat with me and and this audience so i'm sure everybody thanks you for that now, if if there was any uh, advice that you would give to somebody who's looking to get into the film industry, uh, whether it be a, as a DP or, or anything, a director or a, you know actor, you know what would you um, what would you offer them? Just focus on what you love about the film industry. What 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 you love about telling stories, and just kind of hold that, kind of play with it, look at it try and understand it. I don't think you ever do. I don't think you ever know fully what that is or what drives you, but just focus on that. The money and support will come if, if you hold that to the truest form. Too many people spend too much time banging into the walls trying to, I've done this myself, you know, banging into the walls, trying to find a way in mm-hmm. and the walls are not the way. <laughs> yeah and sometimes you know you won't get work and you know don't be bitter about it you know like train you know take those times that you know you're seeing other people get hired around you and, and, and you're not working for a couple months take those times to make something you know take those times to reconnect and and figure out what you want to make figure out what you like you know just just train and 
sharpen your sword because one day you'll get the call and, and all eyes and pressure will be on you to do it. And you'll know how. And if you love it, it's all about the journey. for sure that's another episode of the call sheet in the books i'm your host aj wedding you can follow me on instagram at that director aj or join our facebook page the call sheet for updates on the show see you next time